Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, going solo today and coming to you live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex here in Tucson, Arizona, on this meatloaf memorial edition of Inside Track. Eb is on super secret assignment today, but he will return very soon. Thanks for tuning in. We have another action-packed show for you today. After the first break, we welcome former U.S. Congressman and current Republican primary candidate for Arizona Governor Matt Salmon. And in the second half of today's show, Chief Republican spokesman and friend of the show, Paris Denard, joins us to talk about the President's Marathon Gaffathon uh, this past week and the long overdue decision to drop its affiliation. That's the RNC's decision to drop its affiliation with the U.S. Presidential Debate Commission. Before we get started, let me mention to you that Inside Track is brought to you by many great supporters. Eric Rudin at Essential Pest Control, Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus, Joy and Allie at Corazon Cabinets, and Inside Track co-host Eb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. These are all locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do, so should you. Before we go to our first break, and we welcome our special guest, Matt Salmon. Let's get to the news rundown from this past week. Speaking of Meat Loaf, the legendary singer best known for his theatrical style of rock has died at the age of 74. The artist's family confirmed the news in a statement posted on his Facebook page early Friday morning. No cause of death was given. Mr. Loaf, born as Marvin Lee Aday in Dallas, Texas, uh, on September 27, 1947. His career spanned six decades that saw him sell over 100 million albums worldwide. And in fact, his album, Bat Out of Hell, remains one of the top 10 selling albums of all time. I know this because I read it. I've never heard the song Bat Out of Hell and didn't know there was such a thing as the Bat of, Out of Hell album. And that just shows you where my head's been at for the last 50 years. Our friends at the CIA have concluded in a new report that the vast majority of the thousand or so cases of the so-called Havana syndrome, that mysterious chronic symptoms uh, which affected U.S. officials in Havana, Moscow, and other places where they're unwelcome, were likely to have been caused by not by Russia or any of their other adversaries, uh, which we deal with, uh, but are more likely explained by environmental causes like um, underlying medical conditions, uh, stress, and the so and so forth. Victims are dissatisfied with that explanation, um, and the CIA says the vast majority of the cases um, are not created by malign powers, but clearly some are probably caused by foreign powers. Listen to that. But clearly, some are probably caused by foreign powers means that they are caused by foreign powers. The CIA just doesn't want to say so. British PM Boris Boris Judgment. Boris Johnson suffered another embarrassingly awful week over his garden party booze fests. Called a liar by the opposition, 
things got worse for him when he said he didn't actually know the rules uh, he was breaking. And he became uh, a laughingstock at that time. A man by the name of Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer, of the Exchequer is widely regarded as the brightest rising star in the conservative party, the best-known contenders to the public, and the bookies' favorite to succeed Johnson. I have found that whenever I'm in doubt about something, the bookies usually have the inside track. Speaking of bad news, on the first anniversary of his inauguration, Joe Biden's scheme to end the filibuster thankfully got kicked to the curb along with any chance to federalize elections. That's a good thing. By the way, Republicans should not thank either Kirsten Sinema or Joe Manchin any more than necessary. Both said they would have voted to federalize elections, which would have created a permanent Democrat socialist rule in this country. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly voted to change the filibuster rules and is on record favoring federal control of our elections and should be rejected in his bid for re-election this year. As Washington surveyed the conventional uh, wisdom landscape this week for the answer to what ails the Biden presidency, Kim Strassel, writing for the Wall Street Journal, says the problem for the Biden uh, presidency is not poor messaging skills. It's the Democrats' bad ideas, and I agree with her. But speaking about the president's messaging, on the first anniversary of his inaugural address where he promised to be a unifier, how troubling is the president's divisive language last week during his marathon presser. It is no wonder his approval is lower than any president in the last 50 years. And support, and this is important, support amongst independents and younger voters for Biden has practically vanished. Is Russia getting ready to invade Ukraine? The U.S. State Department says they are considering the evacuation of the American embassy in Kiev. Well, I hope that happens soon. The Ruskies already sent their diplomats packing, and they're back home now that their forces have Ukraine surrounded on all three sides. Score a victory for air safety over big tech. At least for now, 5G will not be turned on close by American airports. Now, this is something we can appreciate living here in Arizona, in Tucson especially. If you're flying into Lindbergh Field in San Diego on a foggy evening with low visibility and the flight path landing at your destination takes your 737-800 with you and about 140 or so friends and family members through downtown skyscrapers, do you care more about your air safety or the kid on the 12th floor of one of those massive condo buildings who's streaming a Netflix movie on his iPad using 5G technology, which could, which could interfere with altimeter readings in your 737's automated landing system? Is this even a close call? I call it a win for passenger and public safety. The stock market laid another egg this past week. Especially hard hit was the tech-loaded NASDAQ, which has lost 12% in its value since January 1st, and Bitcoin, which has lost nearly one-half of its value over the past few months. The Dow Jones had its worst week since October of 2020. 
Now, lots of different news sources want you to be con- con- you know, concerned about this and you know, send you scurrying for the exits. For me, it sounds like it could be a buying opportunity. Hey, it's good to be an American. China brings back anal swab testing for COVID in the world's most brutal lockdown two weeks before the Winter Olympics begin. Want to bet no one in China is opening their doors when the anal swab police show up? Also on the topic of COVID, led by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., anti-vaccine activists from across the country prepare to gather on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on Sunday, hoping their rally will mark the movement's arrival as a lasting force in American society. I wonder if the DOJ's new domestic terror agency unit will be watching these dangerous galoots very closely. Speaking about our crack Department of Justice, one week after the horrific hostage-taking attempt at Temple Beth Israel in Colleyville, Texas, officials have officially labeled the perpetrator as a terrorist and the taking of terror of hostages a terror attack. Thanks for stating the obvious, fellas. Our friends... Uh, oh, uh, go to this one now. Um, another sad win for the PC cancel culture of the left this past week when the statue of our 26th president, the man who was first to dine with a black man in the White House, Booker T. Washington, a man who frequently spoke out in favor of civil rights, creator of our national park system, naturalist, rancher, sportsman, and Nobel Prize recipient Theodore Roosevelt was removed from the entry the statue of him was removed from the entry to the Museum of Natural History in New York City. It was Roosevelt's father, by the way, who founded the museum, the directors, uh, the, the museum directors uh, pointed out. The statue, he says, has provoked strong debate in the city, and many have criticized the apparent subservience of the pair to the white man in the center, calling the scene a symbol of racism and colonialism. The statue statue will be removed and taken to the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Museum and Library when it opens in North Dakota, they say, in 2026. I hope to visit there when the museum opens to honor not only one of our greatest presidents, but Americans as well. I hope you will also. Okay, Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break when we return Former U.S. Congressman and GOP candidate for governor Matt Salmon joins us for a look at his campaign. And to continue our Meet the Candidate series, we've started in this election year. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. 
You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, of Wilkinson Wealth Management at 777-1911-WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce is here. Eb's on assignment, continuing our service to present as many Republican candidates as possible in the upcoming 2022 primary election, I'm pleased to introduce former U.S. Congressman and GOP primary candidate for Governor Matt Salmon. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Hey, thank you, Bruce. I'm just sitting out outside here. I've been at the state party meeting all day, and you know what that's like. <laughs> I've been there for a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, with your permission, because I know you don't like uh, tooting your horn, uh, I'd like to go back into the Wayback Machine and remind our listeners about your background. Uh, you served with distinction in the Arizona legislature in the 1990s. Later, you were elected to the U.S. Congress, serving Arizona's first congressional district. And during your time in Congress, uh, Matt, uh, you were named as Defender of Liberty and earned taxpayer, uh, taxpayer hero status from Citizens Against Government Waste. Uh, among your other legislative accomplishments, accomplishments was supporting the passing of Amy's Law, a measure that gave no second chances for rapists, molesters, and murderers. Uh, Matt was a part of the GOP majority and believed in the contract with America. Uh, Mr. Salmon, uh, he honored his term limit uh, pledge, leaving Congress in 2001 and went back uh, to work in the private sector after. Uh, as he watched the size of government and our national debt explode and our uh, individual freedom shrink, he decided to return to public service and lost a very close election uh, for governor to Janet Napolitano. We know how that worked out. Um, and then with support from conservative leaders around the country, uh, Matt was elected twice to represent Arizona's 5th Congressional District, where Matt was a leader in the fight to repeal Obamacare and replace it with a system that offers more affordable options to pa patients and puts them in charge of their health care. He also served as chairman of the Western Hemis uh, of the Subcommittee on Western Hemisphere, where he worked to secure the release of U.S. Marine Sergeant Andrew uh, Tomaresi after he was imprisoned in Mexico. Matt is a lifetime member of the NRA with an A rating for supporting and defending the Second Amendment. He's also 100% pro-life, and conservative groups have constantly recognized him as a leader, cutting spending and getting government out of the way so that more Americans can thrive. Um, Matt, you've done so many things. You've served in a variety of roles over the past 30 years or so. It, tell us how your experiences successes will help you lead Arizona over what a lot of people hope will be the rest of the decade? Well, Bruce, you know, a lot of candidates out there uh, make promises that they don't keep. You and I have seen that 
for years and years and years. Uh, they say one thing in the campaign, and then when they get elected, they do something else. Um, they don't have to worry about that with me because they can look at my record. In fact, in this race for governor, there's four what I call serious candidates that uh, uh, will probably garner most of the votes. And uh, I'm the only one that has a record. Everybody right. else, you're just getting rhetoric. Um, and, you know, I, I, I every time uh, uh, I've, I've had a chance to vote, there have been all kinds of national groups. You mentioned a few of them. Uh, one was the American Conservative Union. I was the only one of only seven members of the House that got a perfect score by the ACU. Uh, and uh, you, you, that doesn't come without uh, a price. The fact is, I have uh, been in the crucible. Uh, you know, the, uh, the colloquy you did about uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt was awesome. And I love the, you know, the rendering he did about being in the arena, the, right. you know, the man in the arena. Right. When you're in the arena, when you're actually in the arena and you have to fight and you have to put up your votes and you have to lead and show what you're made of, there's a big difference. And, and, and you know, Hemingway called that the moment of truth. The fact is, it's easy to say things and promise things on the campaign trail. When you're actually there and it counts, it's a big difference. And I'm the only one that's done that. And I've done it both at the state and the federal level. I was one of uh, 100 people that made that term limit pledge, and only five of us out of the 100 actually kept our pledge, kept kept our word and came home. So I think that knowing that you're actually voting for a person who's not just spewing rhetoric, but actually, you know, not just talks the talk, but walks the walk. I think that makes a big difference, especially with what we're facing right now, coming from the Biden administration and all the pressures uh, to basically basically take away our freedoms and the the things that we care so much about. Having a governor that's actually going to stand up and fight and do the things that they promise they're going to do, that means the world to me, and I think it does to most Arizonans, because uh, we've been lied to a a lot of times before. You know, I, I've said frequently that I admire people who do things um, of honor when others aren't looking, and your work uh, to help uh, gain the release of uh, that U.S. Marine Sergeant uh, Tamarissi um, really speaks to that. Uh, you weren't looking for praise. Um, you did what you needed to do to help him, um, not as much a member of Congress, but as a private citizen, didn't you? You know, that was one of the happiest days in my life when after about eight months of working to get his release, visiting, you know, with the attorney general in Mexico, in Mexico, going into the prison twice, you know, to meet with Andrew and meeting with his mother countless times. When I was able to be there uh, at the air, uh, airport when he came in on a private jet and uh, was uh, coming down, the, you know, coming down the stairs of the of the jet and his mother ran across the tarmac to hug him with tears streaming down her face. It was one of the best days of my life, uh, Bruce, because, you know, he was a free man. And I just felt, you know, this is why we do what we do. Um, everybody looks at you as far as what bills did you pass? What legislation did you get done? Well, I served during Bill Clinton's uh, time as president and during Barack Obama's time as president. Most of the things I did were fight to stop the horrible things they were trying to do. Um, but. You know, when you do something and, and, you, and you get to see the fruits of your labor, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like nothing else I can ever say. It's, a, it's what keeps me motivated to stay in, uh, you know, to get involved in the public process and run 
because when you're able to help somebody, it's the best feeling in the world. So, you know, it's it seems to be um, uh, sort of a, a trend that when uh, your party loses power, whether it be at the White House level or, um, in your case, you know, when Congress was, was a Democrat uh, majority, uh, our guys... <laughs> They don't want to stick around because they don't get to do a lot of a lot of things that otherwise uh, they would be able to do with a president, you know, our president to the White House or a Republican majority. But but you did stick around. Uh, look, recently you said we can't allow liberal politicians to turn Arizona into California. We right. must protect the values that have made Arizona a beacon of opportunity. Those are your right. words. Now, considering yep. the damage that Katie Hobbs has done and continues to do, what kind of a danger does Arizona face if she oh, should become time. governor? Big time. And I think that that really puts a lot of pressure on us Republicans to make sure that while we've got the wind at our backs to elect somebody that can actually appeal uh, to the, uh, the independents as well and get elected. Because if Katie Hobbs becomes governor, I shudder to think uh, what, what Arizona will be like. I mean, she supports... Uh, this uh, voter, excuse me, this federal takeover of state elections that they're trying to, this nonsense Joe Biden's pushing. She supports that hook, line, and sinker. Um, she's been, uh, she criticized uh, the, the Bush tax cuts and said she would have been against it. Um, she's a, a pro-abortion to the nth degree. So when the Supreme Court in June uh, basically puts abortion laws back to the states, which they will do, and I think most people believe that this court, this court will finally do that and right. overturn Roe versus Wade and put the power back to the states where it should have been all along. You're going to have a governor uh, in Katie Hobbs that is abortion on demand, no restrictions for abortion or funding for abortion. So that's that's an aspect. She also uh, supports 100% business as usual in the classrooms, uh, teaching critical race theory. Uh, she's come out in support of that. Uh, I, I could go on and on and on, but from a fiscal point of view, uh, her policies are insane. I said this before about Napolitano, and this lady is far left of Napolitano. Look at what Napolitano did to the state before she left. She bankrupted it. Right. Uh, I mean, remember when Jan Brewer took over, how far we, we were, like $2 billion in the red? Um, and, and so from a fiscal point of view, from a freedom point of view, uh, from a jobs point of view, I, I mean, I go on and on and on. From uh, you know our election point of view, this lady, if she were in Congress, she'd be part of the squad uh, with AOC. And uh, you know that's that's something definitely we don't want for governor. She'd make Gavin Newsom look like a, a right of center guy. I love how she redid her 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 look, her hairdo, uh, her makeup presentation uh, to look like Kirsten Cinema to soften the look. But don't forget, this is the woman when she ran for Secretary of State in 2018 said, "I'm running for Secretary of State to help more Democrats get elected." I mean, yeah, she's the Secretary and, and, and of State. You're of, supposed to be playing it down saying, the middle for I, crying out loud. Instead of saying, I, I want to be over free and fair elections to make sure that the, you know, the democratic process works. No, I want to, I want to basically stilt the system, you know, for, for my party. Right. And, uh, you know, she, she has laid out uh, her agenda time and time again. It is not Arizona's agenda. And my fear, my honest fear, is that if we nominate one of these people that, um, you know, has uh, supported Obama and John Kerry and uh, Merrick Garland, and uh, Anthony Fauci, 
uh, which one of the candidates running actually on the Republican side actually has. And we have video footage of all these things. The, th- the thing is, if that person runs, we're going to get creamed in the general because people are going to look and say, wait a minute, you both love Obama. What's the difference? Hmm. You've outlined, Matt, many different issues that you'll focus on when you become governor. Um, let's start with law enforcement. Um, why, why is law enforcement so important in your uh, platform running for governor? Because other than protecting our freedoms, the most important role the government has is to protect our, our safety and to make sure that our neighborhoods are safe. And we saw up close and personal in the last couple of years where these so-called peaceful protests turned into violent uh, uh, riots and there was looting and burning and police, police assaults. Um, and we even saw a degree of it here in Arizona. We saw it at the Scottsdale Mall. Yep. And uh, we've got to make sure that in our society, a free society, while we defend the right to have free speech, we don't defend, we don't have the right to be thugs. And uh, and so um, I, I and, and there's been an assault during this process on our law enforcement officers, not just an assault on them that happens at these so-called peaceful protests where people throw things at them and punch them and, and you know, do everything they can to hurt the police there. Um, but there's also been an assault with Merrick Garland, uh, uh, who's investigating, so-called investigating the city of Phoenix Police Department. And it's nothing more than a ruse to try to discredit uh, the police so that we can defund them or take away their qualified immunity, which is both things that the left want to do. And right now, the recruiting for law enforcement officers is way down. Um, the, you know, the support in the community is not, you know, they're just not feeling it. I, and I, I believe Arizona deserves to have a governor that says, and I will do such, that Arizona is the place where it's a haven for law enforcement. Do you want to be a cop? Arizona place where you want to be because we have your back and we have your back every day of the week. And we're going to make sure that any city that even breathes about, uh, you know, taking away funding for the police or taking away their qualified immunity or setting up these sham uh, citizen review boards to basically hurt police officers, that that kind of uh, action is going to be uh, met with uh, a very, very strong reaction from the sitting governor, Salmon, that's going to say, you do those kind of things, you're going to lose your, your state, your city's shared revenues. And we'll see how you like that. So you've talked about restoring stability to law enforcement. You've talked about strengthening law enforcement ranks. But you've also talked about building police community interactions uh, and right. to prioritize prioritize them and defend against statewide threats to law and order, haven't you? Absolutely. You've got to make sure that throughout the whole community, we're focused on public safety and making sure that not only do we have safe neighborhoods, but that we, uh, we, we back our police officers. And there's another aspect of law enforcement that we haven't talked about, Bruce, but, you know, our borders are leaking like a sieve. And uh, to his credit, Governor Ducey uh, provided funding uh, and support uh, for our border sheriffs. And they're under siege. They are dealing with more than any, anybody has a, has a right or responsibility to. They are really underwater. And as governor, I want to make sure that they have all the tools that they need to be able to do their job and, uh, in aiding uh, to enforce our sovereign border as well. Let's talk about finishing the wall along this uh, southern border uh, so that 
anyone entering our nation understands that we prize our sovereignty and, and respect our laws. Can you talk about that some? Absolutely. And, I, and I've been on the border many, many times. Um, and it's, a, it's so sad to see all of that, uh, you know, metal uh, fencing that's just laying, uh, collecting rust on the ground. Just breaks my heart, um, you know, just, just being wasted. And my feeling is that if the federal government doesn't do it, and I know that we have a lot of land that is uh, contiguous with the uh, federal government and with the Indian nations, but we've got to figure out a way uh, to build uh, that wall where we can. And with the Indian tribes, you know as well, uh, you, Bruce, you've been around the block. There are things that they care about, and there are ways that we can negotiate uh, uh, deals with them to make sure that we can go ahead and get the walls up in those communities. And so um, uh, my commitment is that we're going to go ahead and recommence that wall as a state, just like Governor Abbott's saying in Texas. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, our, 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 I mentioned that our border, uh, on our border, our border sheriffs are going to need more tools. Uh, we also have the, uh, the border strike force uh, that Governor Ducey put together, and they're doubling the funding for that this year. That's a good step in the right direction. But, but also, I, we, I think we have to get a lot more creative about how we use the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Also, laws laws that we can pass in our state, uh, like uh, uh, emboldening our, you know, or, excuse me, uh, strengthening our uh, criminal trespass laws, so that we can arrest people that break our state laws, and send a message that look, you might be coming across our border, but we have state laws that you're breaking, and we have every right to arrest you and incarcerate you when you break our state laws, and we will do so. Uh, Matt, in our remaining time together, let's turn attention to perhaps the biggest continuing story in, a, in the news over the past year, and that's election integrity. You've said it is essential to our republic that voters have absolute confidence in the fairness and integrity of our elections. Talk about the Voters' Bill of Rights uh, that you um, uh, were out in front of uh, back as early as August of 21. What are the principles Oh, yeah. We, we put, well, in fact, that's the other thing, Bruce. You know, a lot of... A lot of talk and, and rhetoric coming out of a lot of these other candidates, but they're not putting out policies, nor, nor are they building the coalitions to basically get those policies in place. I'm doing both. And we put out the Voter Bill of Rights clear back in August with a 10-point plan, and right there front and center is to make permanent our ban on ballot harvesting. Now, I, I'm glad the Supreme Court sided with our 2016 law, but we've got a, the federal government uh, is trying to do everything they can to do away with state ballot harvesting bans, uh, and, and that's in H.R. 1. And so we've got to do everything we can to make sure that it's permanent and to make sure that those who violate that law are prosecuted to the nth degree of the law. I know that um, Brnovich is investing a couple of really serious cases out of San Luis, Arizona, of ballot harvesting, and he needs to make an example of these people so that it doesn't happen again. Second thing is uh, we need voter ID for every ballot cast in Arizona. And let me illustrate. Last election, 92% of the vote was done by early mail. And there is no requirement whatsoever that you provide an ID uh, for voting by mail. You just sign. And I believe that uh, J.D. Mesnard had a bill last year. It came within one vote. Didn't pass. It's got to pass. Right and I'm on. urging, begging, begging Governor Ducey to call a special session because it needs to be in place, Bruce, before the next election. And so that's the second uh, component. Third one is we've got to get back to precinct voting. You know, during COVID, uh, I don't know, here, at least here in Maricopa County, uh, the uh, voting was uh, got away from precinct voting. They had a lot larger areas. 
people didn't know the folks coming to the polls. It was a big mistake. The next thing would be pass a law that within the last 65 days, no one can change the terms of the election. And you know what happened during COVID. They came in, they extended the voter registration. They, I mean, a judge came in and extended the voter registration. I think it was by 15 days. And uh, also disallowed poll workers from getting too close to where the ballots were uh, in the name of COVID. That, that's nonsense. There, there, once we put our rules, uh, voting rules in place, we, we have to, uh, to pass a law that nobody, not even a judge, can change the terms of the election, the, ter- the, 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 the rules in terms of the election uh, uh, with 65 days out. So those are just a few of the things. One other would be that anybody can call uh, for a uh, recount as long as they're willing to pay for it. And so I think there, there, there's several ideas that would uh, uh, make our elections safer and more secure. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, for my whole plan, they can go to mattsalmonforaz.com. I want to talk about one item before we let you go. I've already kept you too long, uh, longer than you uh, had expected to stay with us. You've pledged to put students first, empowering stu- uh, empowering parents, and supporting teachers. Talk about that. So, Bruce, I love teachers and the teaching profession. I do not like at all the teachers' union. And I put a press release out this week uh, when they wanted to have the, us come in and interview with the AEA and fill out their questionnaire. I said, not only... Uh, do I not seek your endorsement? If you give it to me, I will reject it out of hand. Um, the, you don't hear the, the that much, is, listeners. <laughs> well, I, I got some real kudos out of it because I said, and you ask what kind of a relationship that the Arizona Education Association, which is the teachers union, is going to have with the Governor Salmon. And I said, confrontational. Because they are not about what's best for the student. They are about what's best for their silly union. And we have got to change that. And we've got to let common sense uh, drive the education process. We've got to get back to some real accountability. And, and Bruce, if it was just about money in, a, in, in, in education, then Washington, D.C. would have the best educated students on the planet. Uh, you know, they, they get a lion's share of funding, but everybody that goes to Washington that has the resources put their kids in private schools because their schools are horrible. But they get more funding for people by far than Arizona. So it's also about holding people accountable. It's about paying merit pay to teachers that, uh, uh, so that really good teachers make really good pay and mediocre teachers mediocre pay and bad teachers are shown the door. Uh, we got to get back to that. But lastly, and the most important thing, is that the dollars, the tax dollars, follow the child, and that the parent makes the decision of what's best for their child in terms of a school, not a bureaucrat, that a parent decides, I want my child in this school. This this school's teaching these woke theories, and my kid is falling behind, and I want my child in a school where they actually learn things that really matter. Under Governor Salmon, they will have the ability to take their dollars and vote with their feet. Matt, we've covered a lot of ground here today. How do listeners find out more about you, support you, and volunteer? Well, thank you, Bruce. And several things that we need, they can go to at Matt Salmon for AZ uh, on our Twitter account. And please follow me on Twitter and uh, go to mattsalmonforaz.com. That's my website, and you can access any of my social media sites. There's also a little button you can push if you can contribute. And, folks, we can use the help in any uh, way that you can give us, $5, $10, $20. You know, we just really need the help in getting our message out there. So anything that you could send would be helpful. And we need volunteers. We need boots on the ground. Uh, we are there 
uh, we've gotten uh, all the petition signatures we need to qualify for the ballot. We're going to keep collecting them to kind of you know build a good uh, uh, padding. But the fact is, uh, we need our boots on the ground because there's going to be a lot of money spent in this election, Bruce. And one of the people that uh, I'm uh, running against has uh, an incredibly wealthy husband, and she's been saying all over town that he's willing to give her tens of millions of dollars uh, to put into this campaign uh, so that she can win. I want to show everybody uh, in Arizona that money doesn't determine elections, but heart and soul and uh, standing for the Constitution and standing for something and boots on the ground and people that believe that's what's going to win this election. And that's what I'm looking for. We'll let you get back to the state uh, AZGOP convention. Hey, uh, listeners, uh, Matt Salmon is the only man in this election, only person in this election who actually was chairman of the AZGOP and a member of the RNC. Thanks for joining us today. Matt, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks a lot, Bruce. I love being on your show, and I sure appreciate you, brother. Thank okay. you. Mr. Producer, let's take our bottom-of-the-hour break, which is a little bit overdue. When we return, RNC spokesman and friend of the show, Paris Denard, joins us, and you don't want to miss a word of what he has to say. You're listening to Inside Track. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? (sighs) No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911-WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. I have been waiting to hear from our next guest all week long. Our next guest for the rest of the show today is RNC spokesman Paris Denard. Welcome back, sir. Well, thank you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. The past week certainly has been action-packed, hasn't it? Starting with the president's 90-plus-minute gaff-filled, divisive, and misleading comments about most anything and everything under the sun. How easy does he make your job? (laughs) Good question. I think um, Joe Biden makes it easy for uh, Republicans to message to 
other Republicans and independents and Democrats the importance of the upcoming 2022 midterm elections and ultimately the 2024 elections. Because when you look at what Joe Biden says, his the, the, the rhetoric doesn't match the reality. And the reality is, Bruce, Bruce that things are so terribly bad for the, for the American people. And it's not just looking at it from an economic standpoint. Now, it's not just looking at it from a, a, a public safety standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a national security standpoint, from a border security standpoint, you know, from, a, from, from all, of these, all of these crises that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have created. The American people are stepping back and saying, this ain't working. And all of the polls that you've seen recently, and I'm not just talking about one poll or two, like two polls. It's all of them. Uh, it's all of the polls show that the uh, approval ratings are down and disapprovals are up. And these, are, these pollsters aren't just calling Republicans. They're calling every single type of American from all over the country and universally the, the, the approval for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are tanking because the American people are suffering. And after 12 months and, and, and after time and time again hearing all of this rhetoric, Bruce, the American people say, enough talk. Where is the actual action to make things better? Where is the beef? aren't getting better. Where's the beef? Exactly. <laughs> How about a disaster for Biden and, and Chuck Schumer? Is their defeat starting with the build blunder bankrupt bill? Uh, defeat, followed by this week's uh, failed attempt to nuke Senate rules and to federalize future elections. Well, it's a pretty devastating blow uh, for the Democrats because, remember, and I know your listeners know this especially, uh, the Democrats run everything in D.C. They have the White House, the Senate, and the House. So the expectation is, from a legislative standpoint, is they'd be able to get things done. And not only are they not able to get things done, uh, in, in a partisan or bipartisan manner, they're not even able to get things pushed through on the uh, with the Supreme Court. With another devastating blow um, that that took place with their, their their not only discriminatory vaccine mandate, but now unconstitutional uh, vaccine mandate. So the Democrats, from a legislative standpoint, from a policy standpoint, uh, are not able to get things done, and that's why you see such an erosion. With black Americans, particularly, a lot of uh, so-called black leaders in these organizations are on the liberal side are upset because they're saying the black community gave you the presidency, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. But what have you done for us in terms of voting rights and police reform? So from a liberal standpoint, they're very upset. But I don't think that's even fair, Bruce. I think that they are just neglecting to actually look at all of the other issues that are impacting the black community, which are the same issues that are uh, impacting every other American. And, and they want to make it so short-sighted and talk about voting rights uh, and, and the way they view it to not understand the whole total impact of the failed legislative policy agenda and how what they're pushing is not working. I mean, gee, think about the things that, that the Senate especially is talking about, and they're not talking about inflation. They're not talking about the supply chain issues. They're not, they're not talking about the great resignation, this, this term that's being used by dem- demographers and, and other uh, cultural thinkers about what's going on. Millions and millions of men and women who've decided not to go back to work. And, and that Biden tax, I mean, they talk about Biden inflation, but it really mm-hmm. is a tax on every family. 
you know, because when you're sitting around figuring out how much money you have to spend for eggs and bread and milk and so on, but you just had to spend in some places about six bucks a gallon for gasoline, uh, and your and your home heating costs are up like crazy, and your utility rates in general up crazy. I mean, these are these are huge, you know, kitchen table issues that every American is facing, whether you live in the city or out in in rural areas or in suburbia. These are awful things for a president to have to be facing at this time. I mean, they don't seem to have any answers, do they? You're right, Bruce. They don't have any answers. I remember one time that someone who you know very well, President Bush, George W. Bush, said, you know, when you're elected a president, you're elected to make the tough decisions. And Joe Biden doesn't understand that he actually has to make tough decisions and lead. And in part of that leadership is convincing other people to get on board to do things, not just from a partisan standpoint, because politics should be over. Right. This should be about governing for all of the country. And you mentioned it. It doesn't matter if you're in, you know, South Phoenix, Arizona, or if you're in, you know, uh, Fort Myers, Florida, or if you're in Appalachia or Detroit, Michigan. It doesn't matter where you are in this country. What matters is making sure you are listened to and the policies are working to make your lives better. But when you're spending sixty-five hundred bucks to fill up your gas tank, when you're going to grocery stores and they're empty, when you are uh, scared because your family has members that are that are sick from COVID-19 and you look at the statistics and say, how in the world with three vaccines and boosters are more people dying under mm-hmm. Joe Biden's watch that died before we had it. All of these problems are happening and the people are saying, where's the leadership? Where are the results? Where are the solutions? And that's where, going back to your earlier point, the, 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 how it makes our job as Republicans and my job specifically as a spokesperson for the RNC better is because we can point back to how it was with President Trump working in a bipartisan manner, quite frankly, with, with the House of Representatives and the Senate to enact legislation that worked. We can point to places like Arizona when you have a Republican governor or Florida or, or uh, Texas or now Virginia, a right. blue state turned red. And look at the things that Glenn Youngkin and Winston Sears and Jason Mayares are already doing to advance a conservative agenda. And so it is an opportunity for Republicans to message in a way to a diverse group of people because everybody is actually impacted through the disastrous policy blunders of this administration. You know, with um, with all these problems, and and we had the the um, press conference this week uh, where right. where the where the president was dis- not only dismissive, he, he was he was disrespectful to a number of the reporters who ask questions, calling the question stupid, which implies that they're stupid. He's implied that the American public is stupid because, you know, apparently he's not doing enough uh, for them and he resents that. Uh, this is really, this is a, a, a real critical time. I mean, how long can this go on before we really see the, the you know, we already see, for example, uh, support uh, for Biden with independence and younger voters has vanished. Mm-hmm. Um, the impact on Latino and black voters mm-hmm. uh, who, who are struggling in the economy. Uh, you know, does he have some sort of a time where if he can, if he can change course, maybe he's got a, a way to save his presidency or, or is it over? Well, well, the problem, Bruce, is that he doesn't understand, the, the administration doesn't understand where the people are. There's a clear disconnect. There's a clear absence of understanding of the moment. And I say that because if you, you know, and I know you listened to his press conference, and he talked about the course correction was going to be in communication and getting out more. 
this is not a communication problem. <laughs> this is not a PR problem. This is a policy problem. Uh, this is a legislative problem. And so if the issue is the things that he is proposing, the rules that he's trying to change, the policies that are pushing on the American people, or, or quite frankly, the things that they're not doing to change, um, are hurting. And so what he's going to do is say, change the messaging, do more speeches, fireside chats, and get out more. Well, if you don't go to the border, which he's never been, no. how do you understand the impact of fentanyl coming across the southern border, which is now the leading cause of death to, for, of, of young people between the ages of around 18 to 35? You have no understanding of that. You all fly all around the border. Kamala Harris is going to Honduras. Will not go to the actual southern border where she needs to be to have an acute understanding of the problem and the crises that they create. And so, so, so because they don't understand where the people are, I think it was like a little less than a month ago, Joe Biden said that he just realized the cost of meat had gone up because right. a family friend of his wife had told him that. Like, we could have told you that six months ago. Any single mom, any family, any worker in this country could have told you the cost of not just meat, but everything has gone up. There's a disconnect. And when you're not connected to the people whom you're supposed to represent, the people don't have confidence in you and confidence in your agenda and confidence in your ability to lead. So I say his, his, his presidency and his legacy and his legislative opportunities are gone because Republicans are coming in there in November and going to totally change the course from a policy standpoint and be that firewall to stop enacting these policies or allowing these things to happen that are continuing to hurt people, especially when it comes to out-of-control spending, which is creating more inflation. Yeah, Kim Strassel in the Wall Street Journal this week uh, wrote that, uh, Mr. President, it's not the, it's not the communications or, or, your, or your approach to the press. It's your ideas, and the Democrats don't have right. any good ideas. Um, right. I, I want to talk about um, uh, the Republican National Committee notifying the debate commission, because um, that, that's important. Republican news. But just real quick, uh, on sure. the back on the press conference, the gaffe that the president made with respect to a tiny incursion into Ukraine. <laughs> um, uh, he, he called it a minor incursion. And, and, and look, I, I don't think we can minimize the impact of that. The, the White House scurried into uh, trying to change the, the tone of what he said and the message, and they were in, were in panic cleanup mode. mode after that, <laughs> panic mode. Um, but when you have the President of the United States actually encouraging a minor incursion rather than a major incursion, uh, it shows weakness, and it, it goes back to what Bob Gates said, and, and that was, you know, Joe Biden has been wrong on every foreign policy uh, position in modern history. You know, so, it, so he, the, the, again, when Joe Biden does these things, they're not gaffes. We need to stop calling them gaffes. This is exactly how he feels. This is exactly how he views things. And, and, and we have to take him at his word. And, and, and that's why it's important for us for, to look at the fact that from an international standpoint, from a national security standpoint, if, the bo- if our own borders are insecure and, they're, and, they're, and, and it's wide open, how do we have faith and trust that he's going to protect us or protect our allies? Our allies are looking at it and seeing what he's doing in our own country and then encouraging minor incursions well, from adversaries. That, that shows weakness for our allies. And, and, and when we, were, we had strong connections with President Trump and other Republican leaders standing by Israel and standing up to China and standing up to Iran and other places, now we're just showing weakness and giving a green light for aggression. That is not leadership from a president of the United States. It's wrong, and he needs to be uh, really uh, taken out of office come 2024. 
Paris, one last thing before we let you go. We've covered uh, covered the entire globe here. Let's get back to RNC news. Uh, the RNC and the chairman uh, chairwoman has notified the uh, presidential debate commission they won't participate in future in future presidential debates. Um, this is a good move, isn't it? It's a very good move. And listen, the onus is on the debate commission. It's not on the RNC. It's not, quite frankly, it's not on the DNC. It's on the debate commission. Chairman McDaniel clearly just stated that there are there are several things that happened in the last cycle that were wrong and, and that they were not fair uh, towards uh, the Republican nominee. And so she said, moving look, pro, it, pro, proactively, looking forward, let's do some suggestions. So she presented some suggestions to make it fair and objective, meaning the debates. The debate commission's pretty much said, no thanks. And so how in good measure can the RNC then encourage any future candidate of ours to debate on an uneven playing field that's not fair and objective for them or the American people? So we hope that the debate commission will change their tune, take us seriously, and and enact some of these reasonable, fair-minded changes to make the debate process fair. If not, we'll find other avenues to debate because debate is important, and we have the policies and the American people need to hear from us. Paris Sennard, RNC spokesman extraordinaire. Thanks for joining us today. That's all the time we have for today's show. Hope you enjoyed uh, what you heard today. Join us next week when we have a whole bunch of great guests ready to talk with us. Until then, have a pleasant afternoon. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material what they're making bringing it back and so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them so i think that's really our niche market we'll sell whatever you need tucson iron and metal surplus call 209-1579 stop by the yard 701 east 36th street open monday through saturday This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. As the new year begins, many things change, but one thing remains the same. People worry about inflation, but it's just a process. Manage your wealth and you manage that process. We use the baby steps. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911-WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. 